competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet on the planet with your host paul murphy and expert coach nick nanavati Hello and welcome everyone to the Art of War podcast. My name is Paul Murphy, your host. I'm joined by Nick Naravati. Hey, Paul. Always good to be back. How you doing? And this week we have Mr. Mark Perry. Oh, Ongo Bunga, Noise Marine and Blastmaster. We go. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking about Chaos Space Marines and about, uh, about ways to approach this new codex, building new list. And Mark, if people are not aware, you actually, you kind of push the, the what is it, the threat, the boundaries of list design each and every edition that's typically what i do i try to look at a list and like when i want to sit there i'm like i want to build either the strongest maybe the fastest the most durable or just the most jankiest things possible i really like to go to an extreme level why being any type of archetype it can be just all kinds of stuff but like yes i i want a high functioning crazy machine so i say that as almost like a little bit of a of a word of caution to anyone that might be listening is that sometimes maybe not the actual list for list might not be the best for folks, but the concepts about why you took things and certain elements of the list may be perfect to get somebody jump-started into, you know, that next event, that next home game or whatever. Absolutely. I very much believe in that. Cause like, it's like fundamentally, I want to look at a, at the engine and how it functions. And I want the theme, how it's supposed to play and everything to be like at a, you know, I want it at 110%. I want it to be what it does and what it is very good at. And I want it to be at the core essence of its play styles, what it can do. And not just about the current meta or all everything else in the game, but the game inside the game. You know, I'm building it around a theory and an idea. And well, I guess, I guess you could say like, I just, I want it to be very pure type styles and ideas for just good at gaming. And it has a strong theory. That's mostly what I build a lot of myself and ideas with. This is part one of a two-part conversation. Uh, I want to keep that in mind. In, in part one, we'll talk about the list and the concepts of uh, you know where you started, where you ended up, maybe some things that you are, you've already self-edited a little bit. And in part two, we'll talk about the actual matchups and how to engage with some of those other top-tier lists that you might encounter out there in the wild. Absolutely. I'm super excited to get into those nitty-gritty matchups. That's part two for subscribers to the war room or subscribers to our podcast individually you can check that out uh, on our youtube channel or on the website theartofwar40k.com but here in part two one mark we're going to go through your approach to the new chaos space marine codex and this new world of nephilim that we have new missions new secondaries new army where do you even begin this is overwhelming this is the honestly this book is extremely like thick when it comes to content and possibilities of different ways of play so like i'm currently going down so many different legions and ideas and how you can kind of like normally I can do it like I could t- focus out like all of the idea of legions, but right now I can't. There's just so much stuff in this codex that I am like focusing on like on freezings and looking everything else is on the back burner and I even leave for thinking about sometimes. Well, each legion is like its own codex. You you have room to explore them. So fans of Chaos Space Marines or fans of specific legions, you know, this is kind of like a treat. Exactly. This is like a codex I think Chaos players have, have been eagerly awaiting maybe for too long, but for a long time we've tried to get identity for all the different legions and all that, like real, true identity, and I feel like this is the first time we've actually captured that. So let's just, let me, let me ask one question here in the very beginning. Is Abaddon in every single list? No. And it's crazy to say that because like he can just easily go in every single list. He absolutely was in the beginning of this 
kind of like starting off with like this MSU hyper efficient, but also flexible units, but everything is multi-rolled. But then I dropped him because like I found that he just didn't bring enough synergy and I can get more units and I wanted everything to have synergy and everything can buff everything. Everything can support each other and be speedy. Abaddon's just, um, he's, he, he is the absolute god chad of models for when it comes to supreme <laughs> commanders but That's a technical term he also doesn't offer as much synergy and i really wanted a lot of synergy and also be a little bit deceptive right i want to be able to look at the list and say okay there's not an abaddon here i feel like this doesn't bring as much cc what i do is every single unit is close combat is what you mean is that what you mean yeah close combat yes so like you know maybe people are okay with just rushing at me versus like an abaddon they may be a little cautious to just run at me so you know it's very I guess you could say that it's it's meant to be super flexible in the situation and nothing is outstanding instead of its idea of everything is flexible. It can do multi-rolls. Why also everything can still get all the same chaos base spring buffs of just, I put 15 different buffs on this thing, not really 15 anymore at all, but it gets all of the support and you could just make one unit like a mini loacher Death Star that just kills a bunch of stuff and dies. I mean, you have several of those type of torpedoes. Let's run down the list so we can kind of level set where we're at, where we're basing the conversation from. All right. So we are starting off with a simple Emperor's Children Battalion. Honestly, I think for Battalion for Chaos Base Range is just the way to go. You want that CP. You want a couple of relics, a Warlord traits, and you don't really need the slots. So like a single battalion really works well. So we're going to start off on top. We have a Chaos Lord and Terminator Armor. He has a Power Fist and Claw. He comes with the Warlord trait for Flames of Spite. And the Relic Demon weapon of, I cannot pronounce the name to save my life. Let me give it a shot here. <laughs> I don't even have it typed on here. I gave it a crazy name. <laughs> this, this is the Slanish Relic Demon weapon? Yes. Okay. But it gives out, it selects two, if you have two melee weapons, you select two melee weapons. Each of those melee weapons, you make D3 additional attacks with those weapons. Nice. Okay. So, with then, top of the list, like, we'll go in the deep dive on him after getting through the list. Because, uh, like, he's just random new tech, but I found it just changes so much stuff. Then we have a uh, Apostle with uh, Benediction of Darkness. Uh, I like Darkness a lot more in the MSU hyper-efficiency units, not the big combo blops as much uh, that you typically see from more Chaos Space Marines of the past. What does Darkness do? Uh, darkness gives out a aura, but you must be wholly within, of light cover to core and character. Uh, and that's really big for, like, you know, bikes, hell roots, and so forth like that which is going to be featured in the list and all the regular, you know, small little infantry. We have a master possession with uh, warp pact to heal models. He's just an apothecary. He has uh, mutate and investigate of Vigator. I think it's either plus one strength or plus one toughness. Um, I sometimes taking the, the relic on him right now. I'm back and forth. I want to take the relic that gives you plus six inch range for your casting and allows you to do a third cast. Cause like right now I'm like, it's really good. It's really safe. Having that 24-inch range on all those spells, because he comes with the life lagging, he's now for free since Chaos Space Range. If you have the God Mark, you just get the spell. Awesome. Um, but I'm experimenting with it a little bit back and forth if I need it. Um, then we have six units of five Noise Marines with a Blastmaster, a Power Fist, and an Icon, and then four Sonic Blasters. We're going to have two Hellbrutes with the Power Scourge and Multi Meltas. We got a single Dread Claw. We got two units of free bikes with an Icon and Power Fist. And then we got one uh, rapier, uh, quad launcher. I'm calling it the quad launcher of doom. Um, <laughs> it's the random forge rolled indirect, but also has some cool direct fire stuff. And it's a weird tech piece. So I'm just finding that works out in the army for what I wanted to do. It, it, that is a, it's like a rolling, uh, artillery piece. 
the space marines and chaos space marines get access to. It's a relic from the history, or sorry, the heresy. And that's the list. So when you went through this list, I was waiting for you to get to the the rest of it. I guess it was like some characters, six units of five noise marines, a dread plot, and a quad launcher, some hellbrutes. Well, how does this army actually function on the table? Because clearly, I'm missing something. So when it functions on the table, as I was going through the developments of building around this, you know, I was taking either bigger units of noise marines, or I was taking you know bigger blockier style of units. And I found that, you know, I was kind of, kind of running into a situation for cultists where my initiators at cause, you know, brought fights and you had to go deal with them because they're just standing out in the open on objectives and you can't let that happen. Or like, you know, other units of noise rings, they initiate, they do a bunch of damage and uh, they generally die in return. And I really didn't like that in the execution. So like at first, then I'm like, okay, let's go with six units of noise rings because the Blastmaster is an absolute amazing gun. Of it gives me so much flexibility in how that unit can operate. What is the stats on the Blastmaster these days? So the Blastmaster's got two profiles. You either got three shots at strength eight, uh, minus uh, three, three at 48 inch range. And if you're within 24 inches, it goes to four damage. Then the high volume shots is six shots at strength five, AP two, one damage. And if you're within 18, um, it is two damage. Mm-hmm. And that's the gun right there. And that gun is 15 points of. Just awesome. Yeah, I've been shot by them. They they hurt. <laughs> yep. Um, having that, having randomly, like, let's say if like, I could do well timing attacks, or like when all the noise rain unit pops out and I want to focus out something, I can just drop something and say, hey, look, you're taking uh, 18 shots at strength 8 minus 3 uh, up to 4 damage. And that's a lot of shots. Yeah, because I get that plus 1 damage in half range. Yep. Uh, and, or the, and Emperor's Children never suffer hit modifiers. These are pretty accurate. Yes. Uh, and when it's turn one, the big shots have exploding sixes, uh, which is sneaky. Because they're uh, the they're wonton of the wonton. massacre, right? Destruction. Destruction. I was close. Destruction D for almost, almost had it. Yeah, I got this. So uh, it's kind of built around those. Why the uh, I'm trying to sit there and say. So the noise rings are the core of the list, of course. They are six units of them. How many points do these squads? Five man noise. One fifty five. So it's five five space marine bodies, like two wound toughness, four models for one hundred fifty five points. That is pricey. Finally, say that two wounds. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How long have you waited to say that? <laughs> I don't know. I lost count. <laughs> um, no, but seriously though, like you, these are these are on average thirty one point models. The, the Sonic Blaster and the makes that not work out that way. But well, yeah, they're twenty six, but I buy upgrades. Right, right. So. 155 for five guys just walking around toughness four two wounds. This is it, they are tougher than they used to be by two wounds, but they are not they're not tough out there. How are these things not just instantly dying? So it's really about setting up well priming attacks so, or timing attacks. So when building this list, I needed one is the noise rings are the mid game to late game finishers. Okay, everyone else's ideas are built around initiations are um, bait. Mm-hmm. Okay, they either start the fights or they provoke the fights. And that's where bikes, hellbrutes, even the chaos sword kind of activates that sets, that role. Um, so when you have those units, they are decently costed. They get decent stats for points, or decent like uh, durability for points. And I can put a bunch of stuff on them that makes them really awkward to kill. Um, it makes it more like a hellbrute. You can get to like a hellbrute to like T8 to a warmer save on top of warmer contempt with delightful agonies. So, like, a random Hellbrute is not just going to fold to a couple of random last can of shots in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to have to put a lot more effort into putting it down. But why, 
I guess, so it makes sense in concept, right? Like you have all these noise marines that hit fairly hard with their sonic blasters and their blast masters. Yep. They're hiding out behind your terrain, waiting for a good opportunity to strike. Mm-hmm. And then you're coming out with like a three-man bike here, a halberd there, and basically putting your defensive mechanics on them. You're, you're feeling a pain from delightful agonies, minus yep. one damage from the halberd, plus a punch one toughness from your other spell, and making these units more durable than your opponent wants them to be. So they have to overcommit to killing like three bikes or a halberd or something. Yep. And then you counter strike with all your noise rings. That's the idea. That's really the idea. That's the base idea is because those units are, they're just, they're bait and they're initiators. They can go up there, cause fights, or they just stand on the objectives. And if you never go into them, that's fine. We're, we're, we're at the standoff and I'm just have guys. I have no problems that are on the objectives that will not just die to small arms. So you have – I get the strategy. Basically, you bait them out with these, like, awkwardly tough units, the Hellbirds and the Bikes, and then you counter-shoot with Noise Marines, counter-charge Noise Marines. This is a pretty standard strategy. You know, throw the small stuff out early, hit them with the hard stuff later, hammer mm-hmm. and anvil style. But what – this is also a very eclectic group of units and a strange way to play Chaos. What brought you to this? So what brought me to this was really finding more and more of it um, – was when playing the cast with the new books is if you went like Black Legion or Abaddon, like some of the other ones, you can still build these hyper combo based armies around having like, two, you know, maybe like two or three big block units where you put one out there, you put all the buffs, it goes to cause a bunch of havoc, it dies, and you send out the next wave, it's the same thing. Like big block units mean like an eight man, ten man, that kind Terminators, of Terminators, bikes, you know, things like that. You know, back in the old styles of chaos of block units of like, this is a block, I put all my buffs on it. It's really intimidating and hard to deal with. It can mm-hmm. win the game on its own if you allow it to. Yeah. Uh, and going versus this MSU style. And instead of thinking of it as like I had a bunch of block units, and instead of thinking like our big block units, I'm like, well, the idea of it, I can have a bunch of small block units. Okay. Um, where I can put a bunch of, make one unit really hyper hard to kill or make it extra killy. Um, have multiple wave torpedoes because the game is very much more MSU nowadays and it's way more lethal. Multiple small units. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when there's lots of screens out there, I also wanted to have trade pieces, but also something that allowed now with the chaos, with the devil, the noise rings is those units are pretty independently without buffs. Very good. Those units are very strong with needing no real support. Um, which is rare because normally chaos units needed support to make themselves really powerful to be able to pull their weight. Um, and that's like possessed stars were very much like that. You know, possessed on themselves weren't that great. But as soon as you had a couple characters close by, they just melched people. They just did what they want. They ran them up. Exactly. And now we have like units that have a lot more power uh, that are very flexible and strong on their own, but they don't need the natural support. So basically the idea of, of old style chaos and, and a way you can still build chaos is to take a really powerful unit like 10 Terminators or 9 Bikes or 10 Raptors or whatever – and put a ton of buffs on it, buff it up to the gills, and just let it rip. Yep. And instead, you're trying to not have a bunch of okay units, and you send one super unit at a time. You have a lot of okay units, and they are all just pretty decent. And then at any given moment, one unit in the right spot can just go super thin and be very applicable. Exactly. And on top of this, this army is hypermobile. When you consider that Honor the Prince is real, you have a Vance in charge in it. I was going to say, let's talk about that, because I see a bunch of walking stuff. Outside of some yeah, bikes. when you say hypermobile, this is like some foot space marines. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Explain us. Let's 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 uh you know math all this out. Yeah. So what happens is you have the Emperor's Children Army trait, which says you know you do not suffer any modifiers to your dice rolls for hits 
and you don't suffer any modifiers to your wep or your ballista skill weapon skill. Okay. So that's the cool thing about the quad launcher on the side is it doesn't suffer the minus one ballista skill that artillery has. Because in Zipper Children, the Children say it also negates anything that affects your ballista skill modifiers of uh, both dice rolls and just skill modifiers. But circumnavigating the indirect nerves, gotta love yeah, it. Gotta have a little bit, you know, every children just break rules. But all the weapons are for the most part, except for the Blastmaster's high volume shots are assault weapons. So all the noise marine units can advance and shoot. Okay. Sonic blasters and blast masters. Yeah. Very, weapons. very Eldar-like, right? Eldar foot guys are very mobile while shooting still. Um, so they can advance and shoot. You can make them auto-advance a six with a CP for Honor the Prince. You can make their charges extremely, very, very real with Honor the Prince also with a D6 uh, plus six. And so when you're playing out your movement phases, and it's not like where you just clump up. You don't play this army like as one big giant block. You actually play a lot of guerrilla warfare. Of I have a little bit here, I have a little bit there. I can easily put things at angles, and I just play a bunch of angle game of getting these shots off, forcing you to spread your shots. And as soon as I see you commit something way too much on one flank, I can easily just make that unit. You know, if your opponent, as he's doing this mass engagement across the battlefield all over the place, I can find weak spots, put all my buffs there, hyper up a unit up, and then send it into a weak spot and just collapse a flank out of nowhere. Uh, what you were talking about. The Legion trait is the flawless perfection. Each time a model with this trait makes an attack, you can ignore any or all hit roll, a weapon skill, and blix skill modifiers. I like that it says you can, not that you must. Be a time and maybe you wanted to. Maybe maybe know. you do not want well, to hit. It's maybe. really nice because you can choose not to apply the negative modifier. Like a Slexus is And you acid? can choose to apply your positive modifiers. Yep. And then the next benefit of this is each time a model with this trait makes an attack and unmodified wound roll of six, improve the armor penetration characteristic of that attack by one. Nice. And that adds up a lot. Like that, that ability is very strong and very like because you have a high volume of attacks in this mm-hmm. army, shooting in combat. Uh, you mentioned Honor the Prince a bunch of times. Just for our non chaos players here, what does Honor the Prince do? So Honor the Prince is a one CP strat that you pop when you advance. You either change that range roll instead of rolling it. You just say it's a six. Nice. Very consistent. Definitely when you have advance and charge in the army, and then uh, use this stratagem in your movement phase or your charge phase after selecting an Emperor's Children Core or Emperor's Children Demonkin unit to advance or declare a charge. So you have that. Then it also, when it charges, it's turned your charge roll into a D6 plus six. So instead of rolling two D6, you just start at a seven and go all the way up to a 12. Yep. Nice. Very good strat for moving around, especially like you said, the way your army plays is it kind of creates engagement all around the table because you set up like a, a five man here, a five man there, a couple over here behind the wall. And, and then you have the stuff in the dread claw. I can find those weak yeah. spots. Well, let's talk about that. We got a whole deep striking contingent to your army. You got a dreadclaw full of, I assume, noise marines? Yep. Two units, five. What is, what's the plan for this thing? Do you deep strike it? Does it drive around like an oversized fly rhino? Like, what is this thing? Oh, it deep strikes naturally. It has to, I believe. Uh, then it does kind of drive around like a flying rhino when it wants <laughs> to. So I can, like, find a weak spot, deploy it behind this wall, have those noise marines clear that flank. And if there's nothing left over there, they'll just hop back in it and then they'll drive forward. So what, what is the purpose of it in your army? What is it trying to create? What is it doing? So it forces my opponent to screen. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you also have 10 noise marines in a pod, and for the most part, I'm a shooting list with good melee, just splashed across the board. It's like, you know, if you generally see when you see shooting lists, you don't have to screen as much because they're not coming on top of you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about them pushing into you or trying to fight you. And they're not going to get the angles too much because like they're either slower or like the terrain's really in your favor. So you can sit back there and do nothing. But when you have a Dreadclaw in your army, all suddenly there's a lot of angles that your opponent has to worry about you getting because the Dreadclaw could just come down in a weak spot and expose you there. 
it does a little shooting itself too. Like it has a little and a, a pretty good close combat profile. It has a good close combat profile. It used to have like a flamer that hit all of everything, but now it has a cool thing where it moves over you in the movement phase. It does mortal wounds. Gotcha. Which is really flexible for like mortal getting around like Phoenix Lords or anything that has a phase cap. Really relevant there. But it's, you know, it's 115 points of a drop pod that has fly, movement 12, holds 10 dudes, and it can come down turn one, turn two, or turn three. So, like, it's like I have, you know, turn one frets, turn two frets, turn three frets for those screens. The opponent needs to have those type of screens to keep me from just getting a really awkward angle on them and really just messing up their tempo, hitting key targets with Blast Masters. I can come down, do Honor the Prince charge out of them, and just really cause a lot of interruption. Uh, there for my opponent's control and as they're doing this i'm just sitting over here still controlling my objectives you got random hell brutes that are maybe t8 <laughs> with all the stuff our bikes are the same buffs sitting on these objectives asking for you to hey shoot me i'm getting you primary points i'm possibly getting you secondary points if you just stand here i'm going to passively do nothing and win the game why you know you're trying to play this uh i don't want to get hit game when you don't want to play the violence so I love the idea of bringing in like a drop pod or deep striking threat to force your opponent to screen, and then you get to interact with those screens and blow them all up, and that's free engagement. Basically, it's, it's in a way forcing your opponent to trade without having to commit a resource. This has been a tried and true tactic for armies across editions now, and Chaos has done it especially well on Bruce Children with a big unit of Terminators traditionally coming yep. down, shooting tons of bolters. Used to be shooting twice, that's a bit gone, yep. and and then launching an honor the Prince charge into whatever the front line is, mm-hmm. and then causing all kinds of havoc. You've replicated that same unit, that same role with this Dreadclaw with Noise Marines, but why why go away from the Terminators? They got three wounds. They're even better. So it's it's flexibility. That's the main thing of this army. So I wanted to, when I was building and going through all the different rough drafts and testing of this army, I wanted everything to be able to be live and active immediately. I never wanted something insane, but it's slowing me down because this unit couldn't come down turn one because my opponent made a mistake. I wanted to be flexible enough that I can expose and punish people for making mistakes and getting these little precision moves here and there and those little wins uh, and really just mess up my thing and just be playing a perfect idea of game. You know, progress toward perfection. I'm an Emperor's Children player right now. I'm going to embody this. Very slanishy, Mark. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so it's it's just that flexibility to be able to come in turn one when yes. the opportunity presents itself. My list is almost 100% active the entire time when it needs to be. It also, it forces your opponent, like a lot of times, especially when I have first turn, my opponent has deep strikes. I can, I can really um, just set out defense for a couple turns yep. and, and, get really ahead on the game. If I have to do that for three turns, because it's turn one, turn two, turn three, they can all come in. Now it's it's a lot of screens I'm throwing out there to be yeah. shot by noise marines. Yeah. And definitely when the noise marines have that longer range where they can just get those tiny angles that you can't deal with. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the quad launch is nice. Because like sometimes when you have those little tiny screens, I'll just blast them away and cause problems. Do you ever wish you had like a second la- layer threat? So when you do bring the pod in turn one, or the dreadclaw and the noise marines, you do blow your army out there and your opponent recovers or essentially you know the game's not over after turn one and then you have no more reserves there's no more reason to screen there's no more intrinsic threat coming from outside the board how do you do you ever wish you had a second unit like terminators or something else Mm, I kind of have a pseudo Terminator unit with the one Chaos Lord. Oh yeah, you've been excited to talk about this guy. What the hell does he do? So this I is I do want to run down all the HQs. Uh and so it sounds like a great place to start. Yeah. So the run down of the HQs. We'll start off with the simpler ones. So the Master Possession, he is a dude that's casting the Life Lagonies. He's doing his job. Uh, he is buddies with the with the uh, Quad Launcher, 
and he's he's healing. He's like a he's like an apothecary that functions at a very long range. Because he can the spell that heals D three and revives a guy. Yeah, and then also giving out delightful agonies are giving out T five. Um, and he the reason is why that he, what delightful agonies does like what is delightful agonies is a spell that gives five of feeling pain to a unit, and then there's another spell that's new that gives either plus one strength or plus one toughness to a unit. Yep. So it's a really flexible HQ that wants to stand back and do nothing, right? He wants to be safe out of the night ranges, not getting shot at. And that's where he's buddies when I say what he's with the quad launchers, the tech. As I talked about, I wanted something in my army to be active all the time. So when I want my noise brains to be in positions of activations and, you know, uh, pushing their their ability to activate and make my opponent feel uncomfortable, uh, the quad launcher can sit back on my home field objective screen out. With the master possession, but he triggers the quad launcher is a little vehicle that triggers lookout sir. So it's a unit that sits back there, screens, puts down suppressing fire, indirect into little trash units, gets chip damage here and there. Why keeping the master possessions unshootable? Mm-hmm. Uh, why then I don't have to have a noise ring unit back there or some other thing to protect him that does nothing other than protect him. It's also like a backfield objective holder that doesn't have to, you don't care what yeah. happens to it. And it has the direct shots that are strength eight minus two uh, free damage. So like when you do kind of come towards it, him and the master possession will just drop a character because here's a bunch of damage. Here's some smites, here's some melee and here's a quad launcher direct fire, but dunk. So that those, those two come together. Uh, when I say the quad launcher is there as the escort for that purpose. Then the master, or then the Dank Apostle, I've played around with him with having like Warp Sight Plea for ignore cover, but since I went the more MSU style, I've dropped that because I just did not, one unit didn't need it. Like I was like, I even need to cross my army, I'm just not getting out of value of one unit. Let me go back to the, the master possession for a second before we get get off there. Is like the, what you what you've chosen as his abilities and, and what he's got. And I want to talk about Death Hex being something in the game. Um, I like Death Hex a lot. Uh the problem is is Death Hex still the same in that it's 12 inches and then you cast it on an 8 and then the unit loses its invulnerable save? That's exactly right. 12-inch uh, range uh, until the start of your next psychic phase, models in that unit cannot use any invulnerable saves. So he can't get Death Hex. He does not get that tree. He gets the Demonkin tree that's now not just Demonkin, but affects a lot of coring. Oh, uh, so he, only, he can only take the Malefic Discipline and that's why we're going down that angle. That's why I don't have Warp Time or Prescience in the army at all either because he can't take those. And... Then, uh, yeah, that's that's mostly the whole reason why those are in there. I like Defect, but it needs a very proactive psyker to go up and do it. And this guy is not proactive. His job is to cast support from the back, doing stuff every single turn of just spells and hold my backfield objective with his little buddy, buddy quad launcher of doom. And is the reason you haven't taken the more traditional tree of uh, uh, prescience and work mm-hmm. time and all that? Is that because of slots or points or you just don't think you need it? Oh, uh, it was kind of a mixture, mostly slots. I was running into HQ problems of like, um, I just was like, you know, okay, well, I went originally had a Demon Prince and Stormy instead of a Chaos Terminator Lord, but the Demon Prince was a little chunkier and it gave me warp time. It gave me also options for second secondaries, which I liked. But as I've learned to play the army, I didn't need the second secondaries as much. The flipping uh, dude is pretty good, but he is the Demon Prince is sorry, pretty good, but. He is, he's chunky, and the warp time is nice when you can get a noise ring unit and say you can just go move 18 inches with a noise ring unit and shoot you. Mm-hmm. But I did not feel that I needed it at 180 points. I needed something else that could um, still give up maybe those real ones via defensive counter assault, but could also be a little bit more proactive. Because the rise of the Demon Prince was kind of like 180 points of maybe I cast a spell a turn, give out real ones to a unit or two, and just not do as much. 
Well, I'm looking at this Terminator Lord you have, and I'm like, what is this guy doing in your <laughs> army? And I'm, and you're talking to me about how you really want this Demon Prince, and you have this weird Terminator Lord guy. So, yep. so Mark, what? Well, well the wartime's not near as attractive, I don't think, you know, as until the end of the, it's a, the unit can make a normal move. If it advances, it also counts as advances until the end of the turn. The unit is not eligible to clear a charge. Yep. And that's why warp time is not as strong as it used to be. It's really good. If you have those shooting units uh, that want to get those angles and just put down some shots, I just don't think it's worth immediately right now building for. It's a lot Future of points to advance and shoot. Yeah. Move twice. I for guess. a idea of this army is being super flexible, and this thing does one thing really at that point, right? Yeah. So. Chaos Lord and Terminator Armor. Yeah. This is kind of something I would just like had like sinking out the past day or two. Um, and I tried it out with a world leader one. I was like, okay, this guy, like the first, I only got to roll him out one time, but he was really impressive. I'm like, but the Slanesh one actually I think is better. Uh, so I took the Slanesh one, messed with the builds, uh, and just break, break him down. What is this character? So he is a Terminator Lord in our Chaos Lord and Terminator Armor. He is coming with. He has a warlord trait that gives him reroll wounds, and six is the wound, or mortal wounds in addition. Then he selects a relic that gives two of his melee weapons extra D3 attacks that you make additional with those weapons. That's the Thryas and Real, the Rapacious. That, that's from the standard, non-Legion-specific traitor's starties. You do have to be Slanesh to, to take use of it, but luckily for Mark, he's playing Emperor's Children. I'm Emperor's Children. I got this. So, so. Thryas and Real, the Rapacious. Forgive me, Paul, if I said that incorrectly. Okay. <laughs> we didn't say it at all. I just, uh, <laughs> folks uh, it's that one that sounds kind of like what we just said. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> Slenny Sticky Sword. Sticky Sword. Beyblades of Doom. <laughs> so this guy, D3 extra attacks on both his combat weapons. What's he got? He got a power fist and a lightning claw. Real basic like that. Real basic. And so he has six attacks with his power fist that goes to D6 plus three. And then his lightning claw is going to be one plus D3. Okay. D6 plus three? Uh, Yeah, because he has six base attacks that he makes with his power fist. Yeah. And then that relic weapon, that weapon makes his power fist a relic that gives you extra D3 attacks. So six plus D3. Yes, sorry. Right. Six plus D3 and then one plus D3 for the solo lightning claw. Because he makes one additional attack with the claw and then D3 with the yeah. weapon. So he's going to have seven to nine power fist attacks and one or two to, two four, to four lightning claw attacks. Yeah. And he's always going to hit on twos because Emperor's Children don't suffer hit modifiers. I think that's really cute that you put all these power fists in your units and they just walk around hitting on twos. Um, why is it twos? Because an icon of Slanesh gives you plus one to hit. Wow. All these power fists walking around hitting on twos. These always green sergeants are like, we hit on twos or power fists, punk. Okay. So you got this movement five Terminator Lord wandering around with these two super power fist claw things. And, and people are just like scared of this five inch moving Terminator man walking up to him saying hi. This man is not walking. He is coming from the warp. He is deep striking. What? Yeah. What is it? So he's going on solo missions? What he's is he? Going a little, on little solo assassin? He is meant to threaten deep strikes and force against screens while being flexible looking for those weak spots. So he's like a little, in a way, he's like that second wave we were talking about, right? Because the dread, exactly. the dread cloud will come in with noise marines and then and this little ninja guy follows up. Yep. And he will solo so much random stuff on his own. He will slap around. He does hit really hard. Like seven and nine power fist attack that hits on twos. Then the wounds. Reroll wounds. Yeah. And six is the wound mortals. And exploding six is the hit. That's taking out every single five-man marine squad he comes up to. Dude, he's killing more than a five-man marine squad. He's he's punching tanks to death. He's This guy <laughs> yeah. is no joke. 
So what do you just come? Do you strike him in where? Because he's he's one forty millimeter Terminator base. Like he's very hard to actually screen out from every angle. Yep. And then he just kind of launches an honor the prince charge and and messes stuff up. Yep. It's really that. And if my opponent has this perfect screening game that I can never really get him value, I'll just deep strike him towards the midfield or back in my main castle or wherever the fight's going to happen the most, and he'll act as a counter assault unit. The awesome things with him is he hits hard, but he's super flexible in the fight phase. Because the Emperor's Children's stratagems give him so many more abilities. First is a 6-inch heroic for him for 1 CP. Okay, He can fight on death for 2 CP. And then he can... Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, he can... Is it one of those fights on death if, only if he hasn't been activated? Or is can he just... He has it? not been activated yet. And then he also, for 2 CP, selects the unit and gives it fight last. Yeah, so charging this guy as the answer is really, really tough because yep. fight last, fight on death, yep. monstrosity he is. If you can shoot him, that works, but he has seven wounds and two up armor with armor content, probably in cover. Yep, four up in bone. Four up in bone. You can give him teeth. You've only invested nine, nine CP into this guy at this point. <laughs> this is what Mark's army does. He just tries to find like little situations to throw all of his CP at these already decent units. Yep. I'm cool with it. You know... Spend him early and often. That's that's what I believe in. Yeah. This is like an army designed for you. He's deep striking, he's charging, and he's blowing all of his command points. And you never know where I'm going to blow it. See? It's waiting for the situation of, right? It's super flexible. The idea of like, here's my base game sharing strategy, but how I'm going to execute it, I'm going to wait until you see how my opponent flex and how they how they play. I'm, and then I'm going to operate around that. I'm so eager to get into part two and talk about these matchups, because that's where I really feel like the general ship is going to come in here. Like knowing exactly what how to position all these squads versus the various different armies. But I have a few more questions before we're ready to move on. Your army, we've talked about like in, uh, in concept and in strategy, like how it plays, what the general idea is, and why you've taken what you've taken. But how does it actually scoring points? Like this is a bunch of Marines hiding. There's no primaries coming from that. Secondaries, I have no idea what you're taking. What, what does this army do? So secondaries are taking, Long War is one of the biggest ones for it. Long War is a secondary that just says, if you kill an enemy unit, on an objective, you get a point, and if you take control of an enemy object or objective of the enemy controlled at the start of turn, you get two points. And you can easily take two objectives that your opponent controlled and get that by just walking on them. You get max free per turn. Or if you just kill three enemy units on objectives, you know, that's that's free points. But the easiest way is you kill one enemy unit, you stand on the objective that they were standing on, and that's one that's free points. So that's what you're getting. You're built around that. Uh banners, because I am setting up generally about two banners pretty easily. Uh, that baits my opponent to make them like, if you want to take these banners down, come on at me. I want you to come towards me. I want to exploit your movements to your positionings, and I am very fast. I'm very flexible with the Dreadclaw, the Chaos Terminator Lord, uh, all this random stuff. It's just, I want you to come forward. Then I am probably taking, I probably take something either killy based because I want to be able to get those points off of my opponents uh, with... Like, I like Assassinate because when I find it more often than not, I am playing this. I'm playing very in general, just 40k, and stuff is going to die. I am going to find a couple of snipe characters, snipe them from an angle. I can punch through screens pretty easily and just snipe this out with weird, janky positions, or just like have a noise ring squad go like 12 inches and charge you out of nowhere. And, uh, well, they, they randomly just punch hard. I have a bunch of power fists sitting on twos on the army, uh, and then we'll just uh, snipe out, out of it. No mercy, no respite. Yes. So it's no nurse, no respite. I don't ever take anything I think from engage, from battlefield supremacy. I think it uh, forces me to play a certain way. So I don't want anything to make me play a certain way. I want something that gives me lots of opportunity. 
That's very yeah, interesting because Battlefield Supremacy has always been one of the go-to secondaries because it's in a category your opponent doesn't really have any control over. You move your units, you score yep. your points. Um, but you're saying you don't really build no. around that. No, I think I think it forces. Oh, I I think some legion can probably play around it a lot better. Maybe like a behind enemy lines type strategy. Uh, but I do not think EC can do it. It just makes them play ways that they don't want to play. Um, so it's like you know banners. Um, banners long wars the two core. Then it's like you know do I take I have the purge enemy one for uh, I believe it's uh, glory rise to glory. Uh, which is the killing of like assass it's like assassinate bring it down combination but you get turn by turn so it's really good against like all these random vehicles uh that people have at QB screens or they have just like a lot of other random trash characters so like you can get a couple points off of that uh why still getting rewarded for killing characters and um it's it's you're just taking you're taking that third one that's just meant the idea is like you're gonna look at this game and say hey what is one of these ones that I'm gonna get a eight, nine, 10 on and be pretty passive about it, right? It's not forced me away, but I easily can get more points on it as soon as I am playing, just playing that journalship game of why I'm looking for those opportunities, get the more importance off of it. So I get the idea of, of like picking a secondary based on your opponent, especially the situation you're in. But what happens if like they just don't give one up? Because that's always like the situation again at the very top tables, right? They're not giving up, bring it down. Or, like, they have three characters that are hard to get to for assassinate. What do you take in that instance? Oh, I typically take assassinate when I see free characters. Because oh, yeah. I, I will I will find a way to snipe them. That is something I am very good at doing. But it's a, not just a listing. It's just how I play. Uh, and what I'll take that as a bread and butter one. Because at the end of the day, most people have characters that are want to fight. They have one or two characters that are fight. A warlord is typically very beat sticky. When you say you don't take things like Battlefield Supremacy because you don't want to have to play a certain way, doesn't assassinate force you to go play a certain way? Forces me to play a certain way, maybe in one in, a, in one turn. Versus Battlefield Supremacy forces me to play a certain way for five turns. I kind of argue that it, that it forces your opponent to play a certain way, and if you don't care about that, then assassinate may be a safer pick. Exactly, because it baits them into being super defensive, because they're trying to protect their assassinate points, but they're giving me primary. They're giving me primary banners, maybe a long war so forth so like I, the rest of the stuff is going up this isn't like i wouldn't say this is the army is meant to max out what this army is meant to do is take away points from your opponent get a solid score but it's trying to control what your opponent can do because it can change its game plan on a on and just out of nowhere right how it's going to execute it yeah it does seem very tactically flexible and you're just trying to create scenarios where you can play the the specific situation really well based yep. on what tools you have available exactly to you. so with that in mind for your secondaries, how do you actually plan to score primaries? Because when I look at your army, it's still a bunch of space marines that are very expensive for the defensive profile they provide, standing on objectives, potentially in the open. So noise marines in the early games are not meant to hold that. That's where the hellbrutes and the bikes come in, okay? Because you can put all those defense buffs that we talked about a couple times over here, and you can easily have a war of cover for them, so they get very hard to just deal with. Um, and then if you do deal with them, then you're giving me stuff to reward. It's a give and take. You know, if I take, if you don't take this, the consequence, if you don't kill this unit, the consequences, I'm going to get primary. If you do kill this unit, the consequences, you're going to get shot back at. So I'm making these little small units that are way harder to kill than they should be. Oh, uh, give me something else in return. It's, 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 you know, I give you, you take the red pill or take the blue pill. Either way, you're taking a pill you probably don't want to take. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. So, so you, you do think legitimately Hellbrutes contender here? Oh, uh, like I was like doing all the fear crafting and like I'm just like I wanted the diversity of not having just all infantry. So that's where the bikes and the um and the flipping uh, Hellbrutes came in because they're higher toughness. 
The Brutes come with minus one damage naturally. So, like, when they have a lot of those damage two armies, he's dropping them down to one. Vinny's getting, you know, he can be T8. He can be a two-up armor save warmer for Tim on top of that. And he can get a five-up final pain, and he can heal, too, because he is core. So the Master Possession can heal him D3 wounds a turn. How much of that is a change from their previous profile? Because we saw Hellbrutes being taken, you know, early this year before this Codex came out. Yeah, so, like, the things that really change on their profile, uh, for the most part, is they lost two inches of movement, which is kind of sad. But they got the minus one damage finally. They did not have the minus one damage properly. Like, not only were our Marines not getting two wounds, our Dreadnoughts were not getting minus one damage. Screw them. Yeah. (laughs) Halberd's been a bit of a meme since they came out. I think in 5th edition when they were introduced to the game. I don't even remember. Yeah, because it used to be the Chaos Dreadnoughts. They've been terrible. Like, terrible... Weapon wise, terrible stat wise, terrible rule wise. Yep. And, and it's been, like I said, a bit of a meme. And you finally seem to have found a use for them competitively. Like, yep. actually, what one, like, like how do you even fo- look at the Hellbrute and find a real role for it? Where do you even start with that? So I was looking at it again with the idea of like, this unit is super flexible. It can be a bruiser unit and just take a bunch of hits. And if it dies, it's 125 points. I'm okay with that. But it required commitment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then in the late game, if you decided you're just going to disrespect them and not deal with it, it will punch you. And you never want to just do one wound to it because as soon as you do one wound to it, every roll is one's the wound. Oh, like it's the frenzy or something? Is it? Uh, it has a multi melt of it, brings up my diversity of firepower. Here's some more extra high damage shots. Yeah. And then it's got a bunch. It got eight, two damage, or strength, seven minus two, two damage melee attacks. How many attacks? Seven. Seven. That's not bad. Always hits on threes. Yep. Always hits on threes. You can. You can honor the prince it. Can't honor the it just it has so much little flexibility synergies and as soon as you think you can like chip it down to half you can heal it and then you can just you know your opponent's like okay this is getting aggravating you can heal it next turn if they decide they're not going to try to kill it they're going to do other stuff and then it just goes around it's also great for getting those assassinate points because it will generally one v one a character so when you look at the chaos <laughs> okay. marine army though like there's there's the hell brute and yeah. it has all those pros you just listed. And then there's like five Possessor 140, Venom Crawlers 105, Mauler Fiends like 145. There's so many low to mid 100 point units, that 120 to 150 point price range, which are all bruiser, skirmishy, punchy units that yeah. all kind of do the Hellbrute role, but maybe a bit more efficiently than the Hellbrute. Why the Hellbrute? Because core, synergy. Mm. Everything in the army synergizes for the most part. Other than the random quad launcher, the Master Possession can help everyone. The <laughs> Dark Apostle can help everyone. The Hellbrute's also really small. Can the Hellbrute advance in charge of the Dark Apostle? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it can honor the Prince to advance. Yeah. And it can honor the Prince to charge. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, like, okay, it can't be that bad. And it just torpedoes at you at like turn four, turn five. T7. Yeah. It's not bad. It's I, I genuinely, I've played against them somehow, and they, they are not bad. I just uh, I, wrapping my head around it, you know. It may be optimistic to think it's stinking up on a character and getting those assassinate that, that's, points. That's what I'm saying. Like that's, turn Mark, five. Mark has said he's skilled at getting assassinate points. Not his list, him. Look, so look, 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 I almost it. got skulls for the skull throne if you didn't roll a four plus yesterday. I'm skilled at rolling fours. You are. <laughs> You're better at sixes. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this that's, is great. That's funny. No, I like what you came back to that point about being synergistic and then looking at the actual stats and and kind of removing bias from you know what might be the the model or the what we thought about the unit before this. Yep, and that's one of the things is like it's it's, it's the flexible stats. It being T seven versus the rest of my army is like T five and four, and I just did not want that. I wanted to bring those stats up a little bit, and you can make it T eight. We know awkwardly like a bunch of strength four shot does not like shooting T eight. I mean, we're talking about also something in the elite slot, and is that you know what ruled out say possessed 
for you because they were missing some of those key elements? Yeah, and the Emperor's Children, they just weren't getting much. They they just they just didn't get much support to me. They were getting not the support that I wanted from like the Dank Apostle. They don't get real ones from a Chaos Lord. And they just are 140 points, and that's pretty chunky, I think, uh, from what currently. Like, the most expensive unit in my army is a Noise Rain Squad, and that unit does shooting, it does movement, it does melee, it screams, it holds objectives, it threatens all kinds of range of different targets because the Blastmaster is a very good multi purpose unit or multi purpose gun. Uh, and possessed do one thing. T5 free wounds, and they slap and melee. That's, that's it. That's, they're not active in every single phase. They do not. They're not there. You're paying a premium for a unit that really just is decently tough, decently speedy, not a lot of synergy, and then uh, okay melee. It's just not the flexible unit that I want for the theme of this army when everything I can say is almost active and doing its thing as soon as I ask for it to do its thing. Yeah, certainly not critiquey, by the way, just picking apart the choices and the, and the thought process leading up to it. Yep. So, Mark, I have one more question for you before we get on to the very exciting part two, which I'm very eager to hit up. But if you were to give an aspiring little chaos cultist who's listening to this podcast some wisdom from your your demonic ways, how would you tell them? What would you tell them? Don't just sit there and say, I'm trying to build a list for myself. Don't just sit there and say, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. Look at your codex. Listen to your legion. Say, how does this legion want to play? How do we play together? Look at those units and say, always ask yourself, could I cause some crazy situation with this unit that wants to do this type of thing? And how can I benefit from that? Just believe in your codex, listen to your codex. Your codex will tell you ways that it wants to play. So find inspiration from that. Think about it like, is this very much like me? If you're, the books are getting so much more depth and so much more flavor that you should look at those type of things and say, how does this army naturally want to play? Let's learn how to play that way. Well, study and focus micro, go on a one basic situation that you run into and say, hey, hyper-focus on it and say, if I could have done that one better with the situation because I lost a little bit here, like, does that just, did that just not flow with the rest of my army? Did that flow with my army selection choices? We did not run the uh, station identification this time. So I want to remind everybody, like, share, subscribe, check out the War Room, uh, look at all the offerings from the Art of War. You might find some additional stuff that speaks to you. Uh, and also remind this is only part one of this two-part conversation. We're in just a moment, we're going to take a break and pick it up in part two for subscribers where we talk about individual matchups and how to approach them, you know, maybe how to how to turn those four and one weekends into into five zero weekends. But before we wrap up, I do want to ask you: Are there any like combos, things that you just save your command points for that you know that you always want to have a couple of CP in your back pocket to just whammy your opponent? We call this the brutal and cunning segment. Typically for six inch heroic and fight last off of a character, any character in my army. What's the combo? Heroic yeah, fight last. Yep. It's two CP to fight last. It's one CP to do a six inch heroic of a character. Dirty little pocket strategy in there. Yeah. Causes all kinds of pains for positioning. Like, you. What was that phrase again? Did he get. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can replicate that. <laughs> then you get beat down by all those uh, attacks from the Chaos Lord. Or, you know, I guess even the. The Dark Apostle is not too much of a slouch. Well, even just like charging five noise marines and trying to wipe them becomes very challenging if the Dark Apostle wanders over and tells you to fight last. Yep. Sounds like you had that experience oh, before. Never. <laughs> I, I would never fall into such a pitiful trap. <laughs> I think that stratagem can be used by more than just the Dark Apostle. I mean, it can be... Any character, right? Any character. That's the thing is, any character can do it. Can any any unit can heroic six or just the character? Characters can heroic six, any unit can heroic regularly. Oh. So the Helberts. Bikes, noise oh, rings, the, the quad launcher. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm going to title this episode, Mark Takes Halberds and a Crop Launcher to a Tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been a cool discussion. Thanks for walking through the list. I hope some aspiring Chaos Generals have uh, been able to pick up something, even if it's not the whole thing, just maybe little bits and pieces of it. Been a great talk, but this is just, again, we're halfway through it. If you're just listening to this part, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to leave us those five-star reviews. Like, share, subscribe. That's how other people find us, comments and that kind of stuff. Uh, For all the subscribers, hang tight. We'll be right back with part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com.